Welcome to Lock It Down Sports. I'm your host. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media. Thank you for joining me. And I've got so much to get into. The national championship game, while it wasn't the end-all, be-all, we're still going to dive into it and um, do a little comparison here coming up. The final college football coaches poll is always uh, always interesting, and yet we get some more head-scratching somethings that, that turned out. I'll tell you what those somethings are as well. And then just the Atlanta Braves front office, they just continue to look smart again and again. And I'll tell you the latest example of that. And then I'm going to tell you about a little bit of a reality TV show. I'll get into that. And then flying home over the holidays, over the Christmas, New Year's break was a doozy. I'll tell you my, uh, my story. Everyone's got one if they were anywhere flying to and from somewhere. And then we're going to get into NFL playoffs as well. But before we dive into all of that, let me tell you about my friends at Stream Studio. It is a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream multiple platforms at the same time. Now, the national championship game, like I said, is um, not was not a good game, obviously, at all. I mean, it pretty much from the jump, not a great game. Not super surprising to me, but it was not a good game at all. And to, to get things started, I really did like what Georgia did getting Brock Bowers involved. Two catches early on that first drive. Georgia four scored that on that first touchdown. That first da- touchdown drive, it was really what you'd seen from Georgia in Athens all year long. So to see them do a national championship, their standard bread and butter, you're like, all right, yeah, sure. Makes sense, of course. Then Keep going back. You're watching this game. Georgia control it and dominating it for the most part the entire time. Then you watch and see what TC's, TCU's going to do if there's really any chance for them to maybe be in this game and to win. You can't turn the ball over. And they did just that with 9.30 left in the first quarter. At that point, I'm like, okay, maybe TCU's still in this game. They don't quit because they held Georgia to, a foot, to only a field goal. And now that, that up, up to that point, Georgia's up 10 nothing. After that, it wasn't completely over yet, but I'd say before halftime, it was done. Definitely by halftime and starting the third quarter, obviously the game was a wrap. And just just a few numbers to tell you how dominant Georgia was compared to TCU. They had 589 total yards compared to 188 from the Frogs. Georgia had 254 rushing yards to TCU's 
30, 36. They had 335 passing yards to 152 from the Horn Frogs. Georgia had 32 first downs. TCU only had nine. An entire game, they were had to single digits and first downs. Just how dominant they were all the way around. I mean, watching that game, Georgia was bigger, faster, stronger, better, better coached, better prepared, had a better game plan offensively and defensively all the way around. It, it was clear as simple as day. And they were ready. And there's really not much to talk about in this game other than dominant performance by Georgia. It's really what it's been all year. It's, okay, do I turn on the switch? Okay, I can turn it off. We got Oregon. Let's turn on the switch game one. Okay, taken care of. We got another big game in Tennessee at the time. Let's turn on that switch. Done. Okay. SEC championship game, obviously we're going to be up for that one. Turn on the switch from the go, the, the go, boom. Now they had a dogfight against Ohio State, no doubt. They were able to pull it out and they won. I Obviously I talked about that last week. But that was their game. This biggest battle, biggest test, obviously, all year. And then killing TCU in the national championship game. So that brings me to this. What's the most impressive season of the two championships? The 21 team or the 22 championship? Just a few things. Kind of comparing the 2021-2022 championship seasons. Going into 2021, you had this question of, who's who's my quarterback? Is it Stetson, who I'm not going to go into the story they hold, they told every single time Georgia's in a big game, and how many times, at least multiple times, I felt like on the national broadcast, where every time they told the story about how Stetson got his start as a walk-on and as the backup quarterback, I feel like I need to take a shot. You would have been hammered probably by the third quarter if that happened. So I'm not getting into the details of that. You know the story. It's been told 900,000 times. But going to that season, you had Stetson and JT Daniels, your portal transfer five-star quarterback coming in from Southern Cal. Figuring out the quarterback situation the entire season, the first few weeks. Daniels gets hurt, banged up a little bit, and it's Stetson's role, you know, his his um his turn. So you got you had that deal with in 2021. But you also had a stout personnel defense of studs defensively. You even all you already know the amount of draft picks that were drafted on that defense and where they went. Incredible, impressive. Then, of course, the over the hump of the 1980 was the last time you won a national championship. That year, in 2021, you beat four ranked teams in the regular season, but you lost, obviously, the SEC championship game to Alabama. 
but then you turn right around and beat them in the playoff. So there's that. Compared to the 2021-22 uh, team, you have, obviously, undefeated season, back-to-back, potentially go back-to-back, very rare, very hard, not done very often. But then on the other end, you also knew your quarterback. It was, without a doubt, Stetson Bennett's my guy going out there to lead us. I know what he can do. I know what he can't do. On return, though, yeah, you had some blue chippers on defense, but you weren't quite sure exactly how they were after your star-studded defense the previous year. So that was a little bit of a question mark as a whole of what do you actually had. This year, you only beat two ranked teams in Oregon and Tennessee. Of course, I'm not talking about LSU, and I wasn't talking about um, any of the teams in the playoffs both years. So that obviously that doesn't count. Talking about regular season, you only beat two ranked teams. So take that what you want with with your schedule, but. Obviously, you won the SEC championship very handily. You were able to survive in advance against Ohio State, which all that matters. You get to the big dance, and you blow out TCU. So that's that's kind of where it lies. But to me, I think the most impressive of those two championships was the 2021 team. And here, here's the, here's why. What I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, the defense. I mean, excuse me, the quarterback. What are you doing at quarterback? Is it Stetson? Is it JT Daniels? Okay, interesting enough, in that Clemson game, it was JT Daniels that had the most passing yards. Not Stetson. It was JT Daniels, and you're like, okay, we only scored 10 points. But we're, uh, Daniels learned the offense under Tom Munkin, Munkin, and he's our guy. Okay, let, that's, that's what we expected. You know, he's a five-star. He's a transfer from Southern Cal. He's big. He's strong. He's got a big arm, not as mobile. But that's okay. He's our guy. Let's roll. Some of it, too, was learning what Stetson could and couldn't do during that, during that season of how confident, how comfortable they were with Stetson. And that's a big that's a big part of it too. In that cha- in the championship game, in the playoff championship games, it was a totally different swing as well. They won with Stetson at quarterback in 2021. They let the defense do the job. It's Stetson don't mess this up, okay? Stetson, don't mess this up. Be smart. A third and 10, if you only get two yards, a punt's okay. A punt is okay. We've got this great defense that can go shut down Alabama. We feel good about that. Whereas this year, then they knew what he could do. They knew what he can't do. They knew what Stetson's comfortable with. Obviously, too, it's Stetson's second year in the offense. He knew what he was doing. 
and they won because of him. That that fourth quarter against Ohio State, impressive. Absolutely impressive. Stetson came in that fourth quarter, said, guys, let's go get on my back. We're getting to the natty. And that's what they did. And that's what he did. Against TCU, it didn't matter. He could do whatever he wanted. But they won because of him, not with him. And then also the fact where I think 2021 is more impressive and bigger, they got over over the Alabama hump of losing to them in the SEC championship game, beating them in the national championship game. It's the Nick Saban hovering over your shoulder, still the king, has a ton of national championships. You're just trying to get one. Kirby's trying to get his first one. Georgia's trying to get their first one since 1980. That, to me, is why 2021 is more impressive than the 2022 season, which, of course, is no doubt remarkable, them going undefeated. But just all those barriers and those humps and those issues is why I think 2021 is a whole lot more impressive than this year's. Before we get into my next thing, let me check with my friends at Stream Studio. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than a minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms all at the same time. Now, the coaches poll just released their their rankings from the USA Today, and it's one of those things you just always shake your head and say, what? And I'll get to that as Tennessee finished sixth, which, okay, sure, you know, whatever. Not that these really polls, like I said, are really reliable, especially these days, if you ask me. I mean, them finishing sixth is one thing, but it's interesting as to who was ahead of them. Who was ahead of them? Georgia? Obviously, TCU, sure, okay, that's fine. Michigan, okay, all right, yeah. Ohio State, sure. That's your top four. Got it, fine. Who's number five, you ask? I think you know the answer. It's Nick Saban in Alabama. And I I don't know, I might have missed something this year, but I think... I think Tennessee beat them on the field. I could be misremembering something. I know I've heard that phrase before, misremembering. Maybe that's what's happening right now. I'm not 100% sure, but that could be the case. Interesting enough, too, 43 coaches voted Alabama ahead of Tennessee at five. And 12 coaches voted Tennessee to be seventh or lower. Some some coaches who voted no I guess I guess obviously there's a bunch of coaches, but I would say the most notable, obviously Saban himself. And I guess he when he was filling out his um ballot, 
he just he wasn't prepared. He didn't execute correctly on when he's filling when he's filling out the names because I guess he doesn't remember what happened on the field. Um, also, Bush Jones, not the biggest surprise. Uh, he got fired from Tennessee, so obviously he might still have a little ill will. And oh yeah, who was he with previously as an offensive analyst? Oh yeah, that's right, Alabama. How could I forget? I mean, short memory. And then you got Grosciano, who obviously not surprised either why he might have voted for Alabama above Tennessee is because, of course, the whole, he might have been the coach, and then they said no, Tim being the coach, and that's when they hired uh, Josh Heupel. It's, it, what are what are coaches' polls? At, oh, and another of note thing, which is also kind of cute. Guess where Nick Saban himself filled out Alabama in the coaches' poll? Yep. Second. I mean, yeah, put put what you want. They're they're second according to him when they didn't even finish second in the SEC. That's something, you know. That, that that's just a little food for thought. So, coaches' polls once again are obviously pointless, and coaches don't have time to watch other schools other than the opponents that they have coming up. They don't have time and they don't really care. I feel like it's just drawing names out of the hat of, oh, okay. We'll go Tennessee 6. Sure, why not? You know, so what? Same thing with, obviously, preseason polls. But another thing with, with this coach's poll is at least, I'm sure there are probably more, but at least 12 coaches, at least 12, didn't rank TCU second. I mean, okay, generally if a team plays in the natty, you rank them second. But the fact that 12 teams, or excuse me, at least 12 coaches rank TCU not even second, that's very telling. But also in the same reverse form, Tennessee beat Alabama, and Alabama's going to get ahead of them. I don't know. Just, just, just some little things to uh, to think about. Food for thought when it comes to rankings. Now, when it comes to rankings, once again, we're always comparing apples to apples, and that's where it comes with Rafael Devers. Signing with Boston, a great player, 11-year, $331 million contract. The Sox had to, absolutely had to, I think, lock up Rafael Devers. After Mookie got away a few years ago, you traded Mookie a few years ago. And then Xander Bogarts, you didn't re-sign. So those are three guys, Devers, Bogarts, Mookie. You only want one for three in signing them, which is very surprising when it comes to Boston and their money and all that. Great player. I feel like you had to after one after both of them got away. The thing about this is, it's not as good as a deal as the Braves signed for Austin Riley. Riley, 10-year, 
$212 million, $212 million contract. So that take him out until he's 36, year old, 36 years old when the contract's done. Think about that money difference for very comparable, similar players in their, um, in their stage of, of Major League Baseball. Of course, Devers has a lot better numbers in a lot of your categories compared four years to five years. But the thing is, Austin Riley's really only had two full years in the big leagues where he played 160 games. Devers, basically five full years. But it just shows you Riley left more money on the table when he signed the deal. Obviously, he probably would have made around that money, maybe more, if he waited out his arbitration years and got to free agency. But that's just the big thing. He wants to be in Atlanta. He set up himself and his family and his family's family for generations, generational wealth, generational money. And I, I heard this today. Uh, Matt Olson, obviously the Braves locked up, was doing this, um, doing an interview. He goes, what, what's a couple million when you like when you're at, you're comfortable, and you're happy? What's a couple million? Yeah, now this is over a, almost a hundred million. Excuse me, it's more than a hundred million dollar difference. That's more than a couple, but still. Think about too when the, what the Braves did. They bought out some of Riley's free agency. They bought out his and his arbitration. Obviously, basically all of his free agency, but his arbitration. He bought out. Bridge bought out arbitration years to guarantee him some earlier money to apply the rest of his contract. That's what the Braves do. That's what they've been doing with these deals. And you create a culture with all these players of, look, I want to be here. I've got a great team around me. At that time when Riley signed, you already had Ronald Cunha locked up. You already had Ozzy Albies locked up. Matt Olson, I have to go back and double check. I want to say Matt Olson was done, and then Austin Riley. So you've got three studs locked up, then Austin Riley. You've got Max Fried for at least another two more years. I guess when he signed, at least another three more years before free agency. You see what Kyle Wright has done, and what Riley saw is Kyle Wright's done. You saw glimpses, and you've seen glimpses of what Spencer Strider's done. It's all there. And then what are the Braves going to do later on, earlier this offseason? Lock up Murphy. Buy out his free agent, some of his free agency years. Guys want to be in a winning culture, a winning team, a chance to win a ring. In Atlanta, that at least, they're willing to maybe give up a few extra dollars for that chance, for liking their teammates, and for a chance to win a ring. So, once again, it just shows you the business acumen of Alex Anthopoulos and the front office in Atlanta. It, it's impressive, and 
it's very much been a trend of what the Braves have been doing. So I thought I thought about this. Um, this is during uh, obviously college football bowl season. Um, I was watching a little bit of this show when there weren't a lot of bowl games going on or there were a few, but it's, you know, you have 500 bowl games and half of them are crappy. And I, you know, I wasn't watching a ton of them. And I was watching this show at the amazing race. I know you've all seen this where it's nine. Is it nine teams or is it 12 teams? No, it's 10 teams. Golly. I, I, I've, I've already forgotten. Is it 10 or 12. I think it's 12 teams. Yeah, they start with 12 teams, a race around the world for a million dollars. You have different stops along different countries. You got to catch plane rides and cabs to get where you're going. And then you complete checkpoints along the way. And I'm trying to rock my brain here. I'm like, okay, what sport does this most connect and relate to me? And as far as comparing to the sports and to me, it's going to be Major League Baseball. And here's why. So, obviously, Major League Baseball might go on a 7-10 game road trip, play three straight days somewhere, every once in a while a two-game series, but then that night, they're flying out, getting into wherever they're going late to get up the next afternoon and go play baseball. Same exact concept here for the amazing race. Like I said, these teams, these pairs have checkpoints where they're going around to watch, you know, to compete a different task along the way. It's a race, it's a competition, and then they complete their task. They're done for the day. They check in, just like the uh, the Major League Baseball players. They finish their game. They get up. They go do it again tomorrow. Exact same thing in the Amazing Race. They do two or three, one, two or three tasks in each city. Then they fly to another city, or they travel a long distance via bus to another town in that same country to go complete the next task. They got to hit their timing. The sooner they complete the task, the sooner they can able to get to the next one. That's why it's, to me, like Major League Baseball. Not like the NBA, where it's one game on, two games off, two days off, NFL, obviously, one game on a week, NHL, same, similar way. So very much different than the other three. So that's kind of my connection to the the amazing race of Major League Baseball. Now, if anyone was traveling over Christmas or New Year's, I'm sure you had an issue with a flight. If you didn't, that's awesome. But me, boy, did I. So I was flying home to Atlanta. I didn't have any problems. On the way back, totally different story. 
supposed to leave at 7.30. Got pushed back. I, I was checking the app. Okay, 8.45. All right, sure, no big deal. Check the app again. Uh, 9.15. Huh. It's not ideal, but okay. All right, let's, uh, let's go. Get to the airport. I don't leave until about 10.45. And one thing I, so finally get the board. So that's, that, that was a fun little wait. Said no one at the airport. So I did learn something though about people. And I don't, you just, people, you don't, I don't understand people. And what they're thinking and what they do. So finally, finally get to board the plane and I'm in my seat and we're getting ready for takeoff and I'm originally in the middle seat and, um, no one came to the aisle seat. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just going over the aisle, go give myself room, some room, obviously. And I look over to the guy sitting next to the window and this blows my mind. Never in my life have I seen someone on an airplane pull out fingernail clippers and start clipping his nails. Yes, he was clipping his nails. First off, I didn't know you could get nail clippers through your through your carry-on bag. Maybe they were the small ones. I'm guessing I would figure those would be considered a weapon. So I learned something on that end, but I also didn't want to learn it because he pulls them out and starts clipping his nails. I'm like, thank goodness I slid over to the aisle seat while he's clipping his nails, I'm like, is, I, I was blown away. I, I wanted to say something to the guy, but I didn't. So there's that. And then also one other thing I learned while I was, I was flying on this flight, I won't say the airline, but they're coming around. I'm like, all right, good. I, I was thirsty. It's like, finally, they're coming around to give us, you know, our complimentary snack and our drink. Well, they're coming along and I hear them, you know, I'm listening to uh, headphones. I'll probably listen to a podcast. I think I was. And they're, they're coming along and I see they're getting close. So I'm, you know, getting prepared, getting ready to um, give them my, you know, what I wanted to drink. So I'm taking off my headphones. And I overhear them saying, yes, um, drinks for purchase. It's like, wait a minute. Huh? And no, she wasn't talking about your vodkas and that sort of thing. She was talking about your regular Cokes, your ginger ales, $4 to purchase one of those. I about fell out of my, I about fell out of the chair into the aisle. So obviously for a hour and a half flight, I um, was parched the entire way home on the flight. So that's like, 
my two things I, I learned, well, three things, if you, if you just, the understanding how I can't comprehend how someone would actually decide to clip the nails in public with on a flight. So that's the three things I learned over the holiday, Christmas, New Year's travel time. And I don't, I don't fly a lot. I'd say between work and um, going home three, four, five times a year. So it's not like it's all the time flying. And that was the first time I've ever seen it blew my mind. Now, something that makes my mind ease a little bit is NFL playoffs and fun matchups. So, well, I'd say first round will obviously all throughout the um, the playoffs. Obviously, I'm going to be talking about them. Intrig- some interesting matchups, Jags and um, Bolts, the Chargers, the 4-5. Could be a fun matchup with Trevor Lawrence and um, Justin Herbert squaring off going up against each other. The, you have the 6-3 on the same side as well. You got Baltimore and um, uh, Cincinnati. It's come out today that Lamar Jackson will not be playing more than likely. I don't think – I think they might have officially ruled him out. I have to double-check that, but it, they're leaning towards him not, not playing. So that's unfortunate. You love to see a Burrow – Lamar Jackson matchup squared off. And then unfortunately, we're not going to get to see Tua square off against the Bills, which that would have been a uh, more enticing matchup to see Tua going against Josh Allen. Unfortunately, we're not going to get that. Other side, of course, we got Kansas City sitting there the one seed with the bye, waiting to see what happens and where these teams all shake out. Other side, you got the Eagles as the number one seed. So they're at home just chilling, watching this round of the playoffs. This one, not so much. I'm not as exciting or as fascinated with this one. You got old man Tom Brady squaring off against the Cowboys and Dak. Of course, it's a Sunday night game. I mean, why? The night game, I can't, of course it is, with Bucks, uh, Bucks Cowboys. Eh, so what? I am kind of interested in this one. In uh, Kirk Cousins scoring off against the G-Men as a three seed. See what he can do. And that's funny. And then the number seven and two matchup on the other side as well. You got San Francisco with Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant at the helm under center for the 49ers. He's still, he's played pretty darn well in his limited time and starts. And then who would have said Geno Smith is leading this is leading the Seahawks to the playoffs. So another not as exciting playoff, uh, playoff matchup quarterback matchup in that realm. 
And it's like, it's going to be funny. That's probably going to be one of those like best games. It's not going to be your two quarterbacks like a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert. Obviously, I hope it is. I hope that that's a, that's a good game. I'm really looking forward to that one. But for whatever reason, because it's football, that's going to be like the blowout game on one side or the other. And it's going to be Brock Purdy and Geno Smith with a shootout back and forth game just because. I don't know. that. I mean, but that's just how sometimes things work out. And as I say, that's sports. So with that, thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media. You can follow me on, you can find me on all the sites. Apple, Spotify, Google. I'm there. Find me, Lockdown Sports. Appreciate it. Have a good night.